Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. Our guests today are two school leaders of public Montessori programs who are reopening in two different ways. Hannah Richardson is the Director of Curriculum and Instruction at Breakthrough Montessori in Washington, D.C. Over the years, the past 20 years, she's worked in public and private Montessori programs across the country as a primary guide, a coordinator, a consultant advisor, and a community support. Katie Ruckers is the founder and head of Moore Montessori Community School, a public charter school in Southern Pines, North Carolina. As a native of Southern Pines and a primary trained guide, she's driven by a passion to expand public access to Montessori education in her home community. Join me in welcoming Hannah and Katie to this complex topic of school reopening for the second episode of Montessori in Action, the podcast. So welcome, Hannah and Katie. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about school reopening. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful. Um, To open, I was hoping that each of you could say a little bit about how you see the work that you're doing as connected to your cosmic task. So Hannah, do you want to open that one? Wow, yeah, that's a big question. Sure. (laughs) I would be happy to do that. Um, So I am... How do I say this? I'm a diehard Montessorian and I kind of have been since I left undergrad. I've been doing this work for like 20 years now almost. Um, And I feel like at the root of being a Montessorian is a public school Montessorian and that's where I work. Um, I really truly believe in doing the best for all children. And I'm really lucky to be in a space that I'm able to reach um, a great diverse swatch of children who live in the DC region Um, and being able to offer public Montessori is something that I see that Maria would have wanted us to do. Like we're offering to all children. Mm -hmm. Um, Our children, you know, enter our school through a lottery system so that they're able to be there no matter from where it is they come. And I think it's really beautiful thing when we're able to bring this to them. Um, It's, We'll get into this a little bit later, I'm sure, with how the pandemic and COVID has Mm. changed the way that we're able to do this. But Mm -hmm. just really being able to serve children is a big part of what I believe is the right thing to do as we're looking towards a better future, a better world, a better tomorrow. So doing this work in Montessori, public specific, where I am, it's just, it's what I do. It's what I love. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Do you have thoughts? I do. So I came to Montessori as a parent. So I started with that parent perspective. And um, I've had the privilege of coming back to my home community and opening a public Montessori school. It's the first public Montessori school in the region. And what I quickly discovered is that the desire and the longing for a different education model is there. I didn't have to to build or create that demand. Mm -hmm. Families Mm -hmm. and the community were ready for it. And I think one of my takeaways two and a half years in is that I think that that desire is everywhere in small mm-hmm. rural communities, large urban. I think it, it spans socioeconomic status. And so it's, it's been a privilege and it's really important 
to be able to to bring something that connects with people and what they see and already know about their children. Hmm. So Hannah, you you broke the topic with COVID um, earlier when you were talking that we're here to talk about reopening after school unexpected school closures in March. Now school leaders across the land have been contemplating how they will reopen while the world pandemic continues. And I've invited each of you because you have two very different plans. And I was hoping we could start out the conversation with sharing a little bit about your school plan for reopening in August and um, how you how you came to figure that out. So, so Katie, I, I know you are reopening in person. Want to talk a little bit about your plan? Sure. So about halfway through the summer, we um, were looking at three different options for what North Carolina has asked all public schools to do, which was prepare a plan B, which was for um, a 50% capacity and social distancing in all public school classrooms. And so we were working on what what different options might work for us. And of course, there is the every other day, there's the every other week. And then one of the models that is not quite as frequently used is the split day model. And we have decided because of our um, small and kind of flexible capacity as a school to go with a split day model. So that means we're running two work cycles during the day. In the morning from 8 to 11, we'll have our first group of children, and they will come four days a week from 8 to 11. At 11 o'clock, we'll send those children home. We're closed for an hour and a half for cleaning, lesson planning, and lunch for staff. And then at 1230, we'll open the gates again and welcome the second half of our student body for the afternoon work cycle. And that will go from 1230 to 330. And then we will send those children home and do another full cleaning of the building. Hmm. And you have some families that are um, deciding to opt to full virtual. Is that also true? Yes. And um, so we we pulled one of our um, primary trained guides who has experience teaching um, kindergarten through sixth grade in um, traditional school as well, and incredible skills in terms of technology and organization. And we have asked her to be the lead guide for our learning at home program, which is a fully virtual program that we're offering all year long. Wonderful. And Hannah, what's the situation in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> so um, I think maybe I'll preface this by giving you a little bit of what got us to this point. Yeah. Um, so, of course, like everyone else, mid-March, it was time for everybody to head home. And we went virtual without a whole lot of planning. Um, and so we did our best to bring the things together that we thought were really important, such as, you know, maintaining work cycles, maintaining some individual things, some group things, um, making sure there was some community aspect through groups. Um, and then during the summertime, um, a lot of parents were very interested to find ways to help engage their children because they knew that we were going to be um, in a summer where there weren't camps that were opening mm -hmm. and the like. So we did a summer program as well. So learning from both of those experiences kind of helped us forge the path forward for the coming year. Um, before we had to make the decision, we were kind of given the instructions that you should come up with some models that have like either ABC cohorts or A through F cohorts, depending on how we come back. 
Um, and we preemptively planned for that, but it wasn't until very recently that we made the call that we were going to go 100% virtual um, through at least October, as the mayor of DC has said that that will be the same for DC public schools. Um, as you may know, they're in the region, DC, Virginia, and Maryland all have some cases rising. So this has been decided it's the safest option um, for this area. So um, what we did was we planned for a year, a year-long curriculum that will allow us to flip between um, a hybrid model as well as the four, full virtual model. So when and if things change, we'll be able to carry some of the same cohorts into the building um, when, when and if that happens. Um, and those same people will be working together outside of the school building when they're doing Zoom as well. Um, but the long and short of it is primary and elementary look a little bit different. Um, we have full virtual meetings happening on like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday is a day with, that the guides will use for planning. Um, with the primary group, there's a lot of work with the families, particularly for the youngest children. As children are new threes coming in, we know that, and we have learned that it was pretty hard for them to engage over Zoom. So we'll do a lot of parent ed in that respect. Um, when it comes to the older children, we really need to think about the balance of group and individual work, um, making sure we're adjusting to individual needs, so one of the ideas that we came up with was like Big Work Wednesday, so we can have ongoing projects that kind of mimic the way that children would be working on projects within the classroom and kind of guiding themselves over time. Um, but the planning side is where I think most of the work has come on our end, making sure that like one, our curriculum is planned, which is not exactly the way we would traditionally do Montessori in the classroom, but knowing that we still want our children to meet some of the outcomes that are important. Um, so for instance, children who are leaving primary, we wanna make sure they have those re foundational reading skills, et cetera. So kind of planning out for the year, what is coming when, so we know what to hit with children at what time. And also those things can flip flop as we move into more of a hybrid model later if it becomes more safe for us. Mm -hmm. And Katie, are you, is your group using a shared curriculum this year as well? Yeah, absolutely, Hannah. We um, also are prepared for things to change. And one of the things that we're going to do is be willing to interpret reality as it unfolds. And so if we need to go to a fully virtual model, we'll be ready. And so one of the ways that we're messaging that to families and staff is that we're working on a, um, a paced curriculum guide that we'll be using this year to help us um, kind of stay focused as we head into the unknown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Hannah, are there any parts of your plan um, as you're describing this that you feel like really good about? Like this, this part feels really strong. I think that we are excited about the opportunities for a lot of our staff to connect in ways with children they maybe hadn't in the past. Um, as we all well know, there is a different type of role that the guide and the assistant play within the classroom. However, when things are virtual, we use a very all hands on deck model mm -hmm. um, so that we're kind of sharing the work amongst a lot of different roles. So people are having more connections. The families for sure with this virtual model have more touch points with guides and they're actually seeing the lessons happen. They're right there in the virtual world. So it's not as much of a mystery to them, um, which we've learned has been pretty wonderful. And then 
in some ways, the standardization will allow us to carry the learning and expectations between different types of setups, be it that we're all online, we're in person, we're in person a few days a week, some people are online. So that'll make sure that no one gets lost, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important for us as well. Mm -hmm. And Katie, what part of Moore's reopening plan are you feeling good about? I think the thing that I'm most excited about is that our guides get to do what they do best and what they love to do most, which is to work with children in a Montessori classroom on a daily basis. And we're kind of eliminating lunch and recess for now. And we are focusing on a work cycle. And so that is the focus of the guides. We have curriculum maps. We have a strong operations team who's supporting um, preparation and response to any COVID concerns and preparing the, the, the school and the classroom environments in terms of that. And so we're allowing guides and children to really focus on being in the classroom in a new way for three hours, four to five days a week. And that's really exciting. Can I just take the opportunity to shout out operations teams, which are so important in all of this, making sure that for those of us that are in person, all the PPE is there. For those of us that are virtual, that materials are getting sent to homes or available to guides and that, you know, connectivity is happening with internet and Mm. all of those things. So I think in a lot of ways, there's different parts of our teams, no matter what way we're opening up, that are getting having new and different ways to shine that they may not have had in the past, which mm. I think is really great. Nice. That's another upside to any plan mm-hmm. that we're putting in place. Yeah. So, Katie, is there is the, is there a part of the more plan that you're unsure of or concerned about? Um, it definitely feels like we are going into an unknown situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know, we don't know everything at this time, but um, I feel like we have given, we have given families the option to come join us in person on a daily basis or to learn from home and we will support them in either way. And we've also worked hard to make sure that staff have um, different kind of roles within the community that fit their needs Um, So I feel that I feel like we're getting everyone ready to do this and um, and adapting as as things roll out and and making decisions as they come will be what we have to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about for breakthrough, Hannah? I believe that equity is my biggest concern moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, We're all very aware that tech can look very different for different families Um, not only knowing how to use tech, but also, you know, internet um, and its availability to different families. Um, It can be really great for families who know how to use the tech, who use it every day, um, and maybe a little bit more challenging for other folks who it might be new to. Um, And I think there's also a piece that there's so much planning on our end to systematize um, that I hope that it does not become, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't want it to become too unsettling for guides who are very used to doing everything very individualistic, Mm -hmm. particularly those that work with our youngest children. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to make sure that we're doing this in a way that really continues to focus on the major tenets of Montessori and also allows a little bit of fluidity for us to meet the current needs, which are the needs of this 
very unsettling pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you raised the top of topic of equity. I want to just stay there for a few minutes, only because I would love to just brainstorm together the three of us ways in which we can keep our eye on that and support that. I know both of your schools um, offered technology to families that didn't have it, offered food resources to families in need, um, and that there was some amount of tech support. Um, Katie, you want to talk about the more tech support? I don't want to draw us away from how we can improve, but just to hear a little bit about what you two already were doing in the spring portion of distance learning to manage Um, some places where we might lose some learners if we didn't make different decisions. Yeah, absolutely. A couple things on that and then how we're planning on improving on what we did. So um, about two or three weeks into April, we opened with a more rigorous learning plan when we realized it would be in for the long haul. And so we set up a um, daily tech hotline. And so we told families, if you forgot your password, if you forgot the logon, if you're not sure which application you're supposed to use for what, this is the number to call. And a person from eight to 11, five days a week will answer the phone and help you log on to your child's class, um, anything. And so um, providing that support and that number was really helpful and it cost us nothing. It was just designating a person to answer the phone mm-hmm. and, and help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was easy. And then this coming year, we are kind of drilling down onto specific needs for families. Um, instead of giving everyone um, full packs of supplies and, and everything, we're, we're really going to ask specifically, do you have access to a printer at home? Do you need to pick up printed materials at school if you're doing virtual learning? Do you have um, a good supply of pencils? Do you need pencil sharpeners? So we're drilling down and asking families specifically what kind of support and school supplies they need at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then continuing to, to make sure everyone has access to computers. And we're also, because we're not serving lunch at school, um, we are providing Food Lion grocery gift cards for families that would qualify for free and reduced lunch. And we'll give those out on a monthly basis to help support the cost of lunch. Mm-hmm. And Hannah, I know at Breakthrough that your director of student support made some great videos for families on technology and, and even for teachers, right, on how to mm-hmm. use the new platforms. Do you want to talk a little bit of, yeah, about what happened? And Yeah, she certainly did. Um, we began with the idea that, you know, we really wanted to make sure we could get as many children um, cued into online offerings as possible. So much like um, Katie shared, we did grocery cards. We offered tech to families. They could come and pick up. Um, it was more on a per family basis. We also offered some hotline help, um, but we used the company that offers us tech help with our in-house computer system. So, you know, when a teacher's computer breaks down, they call a number. We set up some help for the families um, with that company as well. I think uh, we also offered things like hotspots. So if people weren't having internet Mm -hmm. access, Mm -hmm. we offered hotspots to them so they could reach it. Um, moving forward, our hope is to make things even more individualized as well. Mm-hmm. So we've bought a number of um, tablets to be able to use to have more of like a one-to-one ratio with students. So if a family happens to have three children, um, because things are so systematized, everybody's lessons might be happening at the same time. So all three of those children would need a device to be able to sign in. So we're going to try to see if we can make that happen um, as well moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
our, our student support director who did the videos, I mean, it was, I can't tell you how helpful it was because as we all know, the pandemic virtual learning hit us like a brick and mm-hmm. there was differences in learning and ability between our guides just as much as our families. Yeah. Um, because in the classroom, you put your hands on sandpaper letters and now we were showing people how to show golden beads on a screen to four-year-olds, which was something that was very different, right? Mm -hmm. So very, Mm -hmm. very helpful for those that are tech-savvy to help the rest of us who may not have been. Well, and it's a sort of hidden piece of equity, too, that if our teachers are inequitably prepared to do the instruction, then that's going to land on on the students. So it seems like both making sure the the whole staff is at the same basic level of of technology-savviness and um, also the shared curriculum so that everyone's following and paced and can be moving along. Those seem like two strong equity moves for how that will you know, trickle down and reach children. Yeah, and I think even to speak to the greater Montessori community, I'm a person who spends some time on social media, and I notice in a lot of the Montessori groups, um, people were sharing tech um, tech pieces that they had learned along the way, helping more and more guides, mm-hmm. administrators, and therefore students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen so many ways that the Montessori community has come together to help one another during this because we all know that we're in a new world and, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're all working to do the same good work. So I really appreciate people offering the help and the information that they find to others. Yeah, I would follow up on that. Hannah, I've had incredible conversations with other heads of school at at public Montessori schools. Um, And everyone has been so generous with what they have created and sharing and um, picking back off each other. Um, I just finished our family and staff handbooks last week and got them board approved and quickly sent them to several people I had a phone call with and was like, look, we couldn't find these, but now they're here. And Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it's so much easier than starting with a blank page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I, I do agree that it's been really impressive the way the community of practice has pulled together. And um, Katie, I'm glad that you just shared that publicly um, and wonder if you'd be willing to have them on the Public Montessori in Action website for sure. people to use as templates to create their own family handbook for those who are opening in any form of hybrid model. Um, that goes through sort of your own reentry piece, which can then be modified. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I was going to ask about supporting families, but we we moved into that a little bit. Are there other pieces that you're thinking? I know a number of schools, um, and Hannah, you actually mentioned this as a piece of your plan that you're feeling good about, the increase in sort of family engagement in terms of drawing them into the Montessori world, like really becoming much more Montessori literate with what the method is about as being an important piece. And there are numbers of schools that have done um, a higher amount of family engagement meetings to talk through and support families as they're becoming a larger part of their children's education. What's kicking up for you as I'm saying all this? Um, I think... For us, it was just, like I said, it was so clear to us how different of an experience it was for the adults Mm -hmm. being able to lean in more. Um, We really wanted to jump into the idea that we already know very much to be the case is that parents are partners, Mm -hmm. right? Families are partners in this work. Um, And this is 
a new world for all of us. So it is so very important that every step of the way we need to make sure that we're holding hands around the child, right? So as we are doing lessons, they're cued in and there's time for guides to meet with families about what lessons are happening next week so that children can be appropriately guided along the way that as new children are being introduced into this philosophy that we're having um, family education, Zoom meetings, um, so that people can start to understand what world they're walking into and ways that they can help create their home, um, be a safe learning space for their children. So I think just in all the ways that we can not only bring them in, but connect, like from the food cards to offering what support we can to connecting families via um, other avenues to, you know, be able to talk to one another when they're offline about things that they're working on because they're all going through this process mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's been a really important piece of this work. Great. I think um, one of the things that I have, I am doing a much better job of this summer is acknowledging that this is a completely different education model. Not completely different. It's going to, school will look very different this fall for pretty much every child in America. And so it's so much for our families to process. And I have just really focused on being patient and presenting things in many different ways for families to process, opening up the dialogue. We're having hour-long Zoom calls every Monday night leading up to school where we just open it up. We have um, tomorrow night our director of student support and director of operations will have a Zoom call that focuses on how to prepare your child to wear a mask, how to prepare them to come back to school, and um, safety and operations focused. So, um Lots and lots of open dialogue. We've put together a website that's easy to process. We have longer documents if you want the details. We have snapshots. So really allowing multiple ways for families to process the different plans and how we're going to do it has been something Mm -hmm. we've worked hard on instead of just saying, well, it was in the email at the beginning of the month. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right, right. So So you mentioned masks, and I have been having a lot of thoughts about our key children, um, and especially our key children who might have some sensory um, issues. And I'm wondering what your team is thinking of in terms of support for the key children during mask wearing. Yeah. So um, together with our director of student support, we are making sure that each each classroom has a mask-free designated space, either within the classroom, right outside the door, or right outside in the fresh air. And at that mask-free space, we're going to have a chair, a timer, so you can set specifically how much time the child can go in and say, I need some time with my mask off. I'm going to set the timer, remove my mask. I can look at a book, um, you know, things in that space where they can just kind of take a couple deep breaths, recollect, and then put the mask back on and go back into their work cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are we are working the first week that the staff come back to set up those spaces so that they're safe and children can take a break. Um, and messaging that everybody needs a break from their mask every now and then, and it's okay, and that is an opportunity to kind of reset and then come back and keep working. Mm-hmm. So for the Montessori children, it will be synonymous to having my turn at snack or having my turn to go use the bathroom. It's sort of normalized part of this new world that we're in. Exactly. Yep. We're going to be starting some new procedures and routines as we return to physical school, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. 
All the new grace and courtesy lessons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've started listing them, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, one is how to put on your mask. So I'm glad you're going over that with families because I can imagine that. I watched a three-year-old try to put a mask on and it looked incredibly complex. And I thought there's a three-period lesson in there somewhere. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> how yeah. do my fingers get these things over my ears? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you two have questions for each other? Hmm. Yes. Oh, I always have questions for for <laughs> Hannah and all the awesome stuff that they're doing. I think you all are two years ahead of us in the kind of school life cycle. Um, so it's always interesting to hear. I guess my question, Hannah, would be what's your biggest change from virtual learning in the spring to your planned virtual lesson learning in the fall? I believe that um, thinking Thinking about summer learning as our guide and how much different it was because we had more time to plan was the amount of planning on the adult side that there was before kicking it off and how much um, just systemization there is when we are working. So making sure that all the guides are aligned Mm -hmm. in things Mm -hmm. that they're doing, making sure that parents have equal expectations for how much time their children will be spending Mm -hmm. in Zoom calls or in group times or when those things might happen. We recognize that very differing schedules that were happening in the spring were somewhat confusing for Mm -hmm. some families. So making that um, more set. So for instance, if everybody's group time is at 9 a.m., not only does everybody know when to come there without having to look at a schedule, but also families can help other families when you know, kind of going through things and helping Mm -hmm. them um, get on board. Mm -hmm. So scheduling, 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 Mm -hmm. systemization, Mm -hmm. systemization, systemization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I was on a call with a school that is doing an interesting scheduling thing, which is that um, where it's all, it's all virtual, like breakthrough, that while the guide is giving lessons, the assistant has an open Zoom room for work cycle. So as students leave their lesson, they leave that Zoom room lesson and they go into the work cycle lesson uh, Zoom room so that they can get help from the assistant um, if they need something coming out of their lesson. Um, they can be connecting with other students or they could just be sitting there on their Zoom doing their follow- their piece of follow-up work or whatever's needed. I thought that was a wonderful and interesting. I um, do a little drawing on the side and we have a weekly studio time where we're not talking. There's no lesson. Mm-hmm. We're all just drawing, but it feels like we're connected to each mm-hmm. other. Um, and so I just love the idea of having a three-hour work cycle Zoom room where children are coming and going like, well, I'm going to my lesson now, and zoop, out they go. <laughs> yeah. um, that we're creating something that feels familiar to the children during a time of so much that's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, that is a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, is there anything that... I didn't ask that you want to share. Um, Well, I just am hoping that given all the changes that have arisen um, in the recent past in our country, that as we move forward, we all become a little bit better at kind of re-angling ourselves to best suit whatever the needs are of the children. Mm -hmm. I know for a long time um, and in many experiences that I've had coming along my path as a Montessorian, I'd been in some places where things were very stringent as to what is Montessori and how Montessori works, but we've all had to kind of rethink that. And so I hope this leaves us all open to 
imagine better how we can do things to support children and still stick to our roots, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I just hope it is more freeing for all of us as we go down this path. Mm, That is linking. Do you mind if I read a Montessori quotation in here? Sure. Um, That thought is really linking because I think we're really pushing ourselves and one another um, during this time. She says, I give very few lessons on how to give lessons. Least my suggestions becoming stereotypes and parodied should turn into obstacles instead of help. The directress is dealing with different personalities and it therefore becomes more a question of how she should orient herself in what is for her a new world rather than any rigid and absolute rules. So maybe that's a lovely place to close this conversation with the two of you Mm -hmm. as we head into a new world that we think we're going to do this holding our pedagogy, but without any rigid and absolute rules for how we might do this. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Well said. Yeah. I know she always has the things well said. It's like, wow, she really, she got that one, man. She's so <laughs> self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, thank you both very much for taking time to be on the Montessori in Action podcast and share your reopening plans with the world and your resources. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.